Hey, this is Nick Peterson, founder of Mastery Mode. And if you want to learn how to level up and be successful through masterminds, then you should listen to my good friend, Brandon Straza with The Mastermind Effect. You love to learn, grow, and improve yourself, but you're still not where you want to be? The right mastermind can be the ultimate secret weapon when it comes to personal development, but trying to find the one that's built for you isn't always easy. Welcome to The Mastermind Effect the one and only show that focuses on helping you cut through the noise, invest in yourself, and move past your natural limits. This is everything you need to know about masterminds, brought to you by your host, Brandon Straza. Hey, hey, everyone. Today, we've got Nick Peterson, founder of Mastery Mode. He is one of the great philosophers and results leaders of our time that you might not have heard of. He's able to do this because of the people that he works with and surrounds himself with. We go into the intention intervention gap that you might be missing. We talk about paralyzing your action and we get into your mental health and how times are just a little bit different. Check it out. Hey everybody, welcome back to the show. I believe the only way to unlock your potential is to tap into the experiences of others. And today, to help us do this, we have the founder of Mastery Mode, Nick Peterson. Nick, welcome to the show. How's it going, man? It's going, man. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Appreciate you taking the time. Hey, real quick, if someone feels that they really jam with you or they really like the message that you're putting out there today, what is the best way to connect with you either through social media or just personally? What's the best way for them to find you? Fastest path right now, because I'm kind of over the Facebook, um, Instagram. Instagram, I like it. It's fast. It's easy. It's just Nick Peterson 23. All right. Nick Peterson 23. Absolutely. So check them out over there and you'll give them a few thought bombs or two, I bet, if I had a feeling over there. Yeah. Always. Yeah. Well, at least daily. And we can get into that later. So, all right, let's dive into this, man. You know, today there's so many different ways that we can learn and it's changed drastically over the last five to 10 years. When we were younger, you know, we learned from textbooks and teachers and eventually it was became our friends and the people around us, but it only really gave us a sliver of what was possible in, in the aspect of learning. How has your learning changed from your early years to today? It's changed quite a bit. It's just, I was never big until recently, actually, I was never big on um, books, horrible student. Uh, so I've, I've always been, you know, let me go touch the stove. Let, let me, I don't want to read about it. Let me go touch the stove, see, see, see if it's hot or not. But I actually recently, probably not super recent, maybe 10 years ago, um, decided to pick up a book, you know, for pleasure because nobody told me I had to do it and um, became a voracious reader. And so really since then, the way I think about learning, the way I learn has changed in that there, there's a thing and I, I spent... I spent five years with a good friend of mine. We lived together. We carpooled together. We shared an office. He got his PhD in metabolic chemistry when he was 23. So you talk about a, a, like a, a world-class learner. And he introduced me to the concept of the intention intervention gap, which is the things that maybe you've read about or you've watched a YouTube video about, but you haven't modified your behavior accordingly. Right, so I changed my definition of learning in that there's this gap. There's like we read this thing, we learn this thing, we go to a mastermind or we go to an event, and we learn. You know, we should be doing this. I've become a lot more intentional about closing that gap. So I consume new information, right, and then 
uh, it used to be periodically, now it's, it's frequently. Am I modifying my behavior according to the information that I have learned? So it's consume information, modify behavior, consume information, modify behavior. Otherwise, what happens, and this is just for me, what I realized is if that gap gets too wide, I get super stressed out and anxious about all this stuff I know I should be doing, but I'm not doing. So I've kind of redefined what I consider learning now in terms of uh, if I haven't modified my behavior, have I really learned it? That's the question I'm always asking. Okay. And I think we can, I think everyone can actually sit there and wrap their head around that. So you're, you're consuming, which we're consuming more than we can possibly even, you know, take in, let alone implement. What are you doing to implement that, that you weren't doing previously? I think a lot of it's be cognizant of, um, there's a belief piece where we learn a thing and we go, that makes a whole lot of sense. And then we believe it to be true. Uh, if it makes sense to us and our, our beliefs and our, you know, the paradigm through which we see the world and all that. And I've just developed this, this, well, how can I modify my behavior accordingly? And sometimes I can't, there, there are things that you learn that maybe you're just not that interested in applying, you know, but what I've done is instead of saying, reading a thing, and saying, I know that now, I kind of stash it in a different category in my brain um, where I don't have the belief unless I can actually implement it, right? Like actually touch the stove um, or watch others, which is what I think we probably talk about today. Or I'm in an ecosystem of other people and I see them touch the stove. Um, I don't fully develop that belief and it's intentional because um, the risk is we, right now, I know this is not... Um, not necessarily evergreen, but we're in the middle of riots and all this stuff. Really easy to see something, not take part in it and believe that what you've seen is true, right? Or factual. And so I just developed another kind of uh, compartment in my brain. It's like, I saw this, I know about it, I read about it. It sounds good, but I don't let it trickle over into fact for me until I've been able to experience it. Either, either I've experienced it or the people around me, you know, like that are similar to me have experienced it. Yeah. So I mean, it's, it's a filing system mm-hmm. is what it sounds like to me, you know, and, and the most simplistic of terms is what, what we can do just as individuals is start filing that away into what category it really belongs in and being honest with ourselves. So let's continue down that path a little bit about information. So we can take in more information, like I said, than ever before. And it's, it's confusing. Some people, you know, take it in through a mentor, some through an accountability buddy, some through masterminds, other people do online courses. So obviously there's a lot of ways to learn. Who are you currently learning from? And more importantly, how did you find them? Uh, I'll give you some names. Um, Jay Abraham the way that he thinks about things. It's, I'm a huge fan of, of Jay, uh, Jeff Spencer, Dr. Jeff Spencer, who is, uh, he's got more water under the bridge than all the other performance coaches combined. So he's just got a tremendous amount of experience. Uh, those are the primary two. Uh, Dan Nicholson is a partner of mine. I spent a lot of time learning from him. Interestingly enough, Jay was a direct referral, a direct introduction and we become close. And then um, Jeff Spencer actually came to my mastermind, as did uh, Dan Nicholson joined my mastermind. So they actually, it was actually a mastermind um, for those two. And they just happened to come to mine. I reconnected. I, I met Jeff Spencer at mine. 
uh, we lost connection and then we actually reconnected at uh, the speakeasy, which is another, another mastermind, another just group of, of like-minded people. And that's typically where my connections come from. Um, it's not easy to find people that get it, you know, uh, in your, your friends, your family, or it's, especially if you're, uh, entrepreneurial or ambitious, it's, it's really difficult to connect with, with regular people. Yeah. And I mean, not only just yourself, but the name of the names of the people that you listed there, the accomplishments and the people that they surround themselves with are, are unbelievably impressive. So, I mean, in the show notes will blow, we'll, we'll have, you know, who those people are and just, you know, kind of some of who their clients are and all those names. I think Jeff Spencer was the one that you had uh, mentioned to me the other day. So, but yeah, I mean, impressive line of people right there. Speaking of entrepreneurship, you know, a lot of us, we get stuck and we don't know how to execute what's inside of our head. I found that there's a lot of ways to get unstuck, but sometimes when I'm in the weeds, I don't know how to get out of it. How have masterminds helped you when you're looking to execute a new idea to get to where you're going? There's again, water under the bridge, right? You go to, um, you go to a mastermind, assuming it's an actual mastermind, and what I mean by that is that you have a group of people that are legitimately interested in in helping one another and connecting with one another. It is it is likely if you select the right group of people, uh, somebody's been through it. Uh, that makes it really easy. You're gonna have you're gonna have different levels of people people that have done it longer than you, people that haven't done it as long, people that think differently. But I think most importantly, especially entrepreneurial really intelligent people tend to get in their own way. And there's this thing where one of my clients is, is responsible for growing Coke in uh, China or Japan, one of the two. And she has a saying, you can't read the label from inside the bottle. Right. I have another Joel Irway is a good friend of mine and he has this thing called the expert's curse. It's the same idea. It's that even though you can solve other people's problems, it's really difficult to solve your own. And so when you get in a room of like-minded people, a lot of times, for me anyway, it's been like, I tell them what's going on. Hey, this is going on, this is going on, this is going on. And um, the, the solution's pretty simple. You just need somebody else to look at it that understands all of these moving parts, right? That, that there are moving parts. So for me, it's just going to these things. I don't consume a lot. Uh, we've, been, we've been at events together. Um, I don't consume a lot because of that intention intervention gap. I'm trying not to overwhelm myself. I'm just trying to have a few conversations and say, hey, this is what's going on. Uh, and almost every time somebody goes, well, why don't you just do this? Like the simplest solution has been sitting right in front of me the whole time. I say, oh, yeah, you're right. I could do that. And there's, you know, had, had I not had that conversation, my brother, six, seven, eight months of, of wrestling with something that's, it's, Typically, like with people that go to these masterminds, people that listen to this podcast, people that were always around at these events, effort's never the problem, right? Intelligence is almost never the problem. Like these are gifted, hardworking people. You just need somebody. Sometimes it's like uh, I've gone to mastermind before and I had too many. I paid $40,000 and I knew this is what I was going to do. I have too many good opportunities in front of me. I don't think there's a wrong one, but I can't decide. And every moment I don't decide, I'm losing time, I'm losing money, I'm losing momentum. 
And so I, w- I just went to one person there. I said, flip a coin, tell me what to do. You know, he didn't actually flip a coin. He said, just do this. And this is why. Um, but it saved me from that paralysis, which is, you know, I mean, that could be millions of dollars. Yeah. Analysis by paralysis, um, you know, over analyzing something. So, I mean, it sounds like, I mean, having intentional conversations is really important in order for you and for other people, maybe not to overwhelm themselves with too many different options out there. If you're in a room of like-minded people and they have your best intentions and probably a lot of them aren't even from the same industry. Does that sound, you know, you, you, you create rooms that, you know, that we're going to talk about here shortly. The, there's not one person from one industry or uh, the same industry out there. Yeah. When I, when I say a, a real mastermind, what I really, I'm kind of throwing stones at people that say I have a mastermind, but it's really um, follow my program. Um, it could be same industry. I like to, I like to uh, cross pollinate, um, but different perspectives, right? You, you just have people like some people are more loss averse. Some people have no aversion to risk at all. Some people want to be famous. Some people want to be, you know, no, they don't want anybody to know who they are. They just want to make a bunch of money and like, you know, send their kids through college and all these different perspectives that that's where the power is to me. It's, uh, it's just getting those, seeing how other people look at things. And let's go a little bit further into, you know, uh, the type or style uh, of teachings, because there's really a lot out there, some classrooms, some group environments, some mentors, you know, that, that you can learn from. And, you know, I realized at a young age, I really couldn't learn from a book. I need to learn from other people's experiences. So what would you say are some of the best formats you prefer to learn from and why in, in the world of what we were just talking about? Um, what I like to do is almost never what I recommend. I think it's important to recognize, you know, like know yourself. I operate in a very strange, unique way. Um, I like to see very specific presentations, like step by step in a particular industry, because I really want to see super granular how different industries are doing things. Um, what I do naturally is I just remove all the lines which just means um, there's, I, I like it presented step-by-step step, and then I remove all of those, all of those instructions. I just have all the pieces. So I want to see all the pieces. I want to see how you lined them out, how you reason through it. Uh, and then I immediately forget all of that. And I just pull out the individual pieces that are applicable to me. Uh, but my favorite kind of uh, mastermind to run, because I think it's really, really useful is workshop style. So it's like, it's like hot seats. I'm sure you're familiar with hot seats. Um, the thing with hot seats is I like to have somebody, this is how I set mine up. So totally bias here. Um, somebody in the room needs to have more context than everybody else. So like, for example, as a, you and I have been working one-on-one for like two years and I know intimately like your unique disposition, your preferences, your priorities. Uh, so that when we workshop, somebody, a third party that, that has context can kind of help direct the conversation. Like, for example, if I know you don't want to be on video, you have no interest in that, like yada, yada, yada. And somebody's like, you got to get on TikTok. We can say, no, no, no. 
right? It, the third party is saying, no, 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 that, that's not really viable. Um, and this is why. So that we can get the most out of the, the workshop and the roundtable, but it's also aligned with your unique disposition. Uh, that's my favorite way to run it. Uh, I, in my experience, that's where people get the most out of. Um, without that, you run the risk of, uh, we've been at events, uh, Steve is awesome, but you run the risk of um, 30 people going home and trying to be like Steve. And it takes a very unique person to be able to do what he does all the time. Yeah, you've, you, you've got as good a chance of putting a firecrack in your hand, lighting the M80, and hoping your hand doesn't blow off if you want to yeah. try to do something like that. Yeah. And so I, I think it's helpful to have somebody that has that kind of, that understands what you're ready to receive and what you're not ready to receive. Because uh, there's a lot of times people are like, you got to charge more. And it's like, she's not ready to hear that yet. That's going to cause so much stress and anxiety. Like, just not ready yet. And so just having that one moderator, that's the one thing I think we do different is uh, we, we try to really meet people where they're at and help the whole group uh, do the same. Wow. Wow. Love it. So speaking of masterminds, they've been around since the apostles. Um, uh, eventually, ben Frank, Benjamin Franklin, I should say, created one called the Junto Club or the, uh, the Leather Apron Club. And Napoleon Hill is the one who kind of brought it to the forefront uh, with, with you know, his book. Why has there been such a large boom in self-education and growth over the last few years? And where do you see it going? I think, I think part of it, um, kind of out of left field here, but I have a lot of people that work in mental health and uh, a lot of clients and partners that work in mental health and mental health for adolescents and stuff. And it's becoming more and more acceptable uh, to want to be better because to want to be better it implies that there's something wrong with you now, which has been like so taboo for so long. And so I, I think that it's helped is that it's like, it's kind of in now to try and be better, um, which is relatively new because it used to be even, even those super ambitious people that really wanted, uh, wanted to be better. Like they couldn't say that publicly, you know, it was like some positioning thing. So, um, I think that's it. I think um, for better or for worse, there's a lot of people that launch these kind of masterminds that aren't actually masterminds and they're entirely self-serving to the, to the people putting them on, but, and shame on them. But um, the benefit is the education is getting out there that it is actually helpful to have somebody two steps ahead of you, three steps ahead of you, four steps ahead of you, or somebody to look at it from a different angle. And so on one hand, it, it's a bummer that people are self-servingly saying, hey, join my mastermind, um, and they're really just trying to take your money. On the other hand, people are running ads, and people are doing podcasts, and people are, are talking openly about um, getting help, helping people, um, saying it's okay to get in groups of people and ask, you know, asking for help, is it, it really is a, a relatively new thing to be okay to do that. So I think that probably contributes. Yeah, absolutely. And I, you know, obviously, you know, asking for help is, it, it sounds like super easy, like, Hey Nick, I need help with this. And you know, because a wall immediately goes up because we're sitting there, well, how's Nick going to judge me? How's this person going to judge me? And so, but with, with where we're at going forward, you just ask what's the worst someone's going to say, sorry, I won't No, Thank you. So, I mean, I think that's a, it's a, the first step in realizing is knowing to ask 
for help. So when someone typically um, invests in their future, they have a better than vague idea of what they're going to get. We're able to have an expectation of what the outcome is going to be. What should people expect when they enter your reality? Most people aren't ready to enter my reality. And that, that's something I'm aware of, right? So at, at an event that, uh, were you in Vegas? No, I wasn't able to go to Vegas. Oh, I didn't think so. So in Vegas, I, I was talking to another attendee and kept saying like, why aren't you on TV? Why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you doing this? Like, why don't you try harder to reach more people? Uh, and the answer is the, my message, the, the thing that I'm passionate about, I talk about is a little bit further on the, the innovator early adopter scale. Like you have to be, you have to be ready uh, to not be right. And what I mean by that is my whole world is a world of uh, it depends, right? So people say, hey, Nick, how, what should I do to grow my business? I don't know. It depends. So immediately half the population goes, well, you're an idiot because you don't know how to grow my business. Um, a, a fraction's like, well, that's not the answer I was looking for. And the small, you know, there's a small segment that goes, what do you mean it depends? So, well, I don't know what you're optimizing for, right? Like, should I hire a nanny first or should I hire an executive admin first? Right? I get questions like that. So, well, it depends. What are you optimizing for? Do you want to spend more time with your kids or not? Like, there's no judgment. It's just a personal, it's personal preference. And we want to build things in a way that gets you closer to things that actually matter to you. So whether or not you should scale your business depends on your priorities and how you do it, right? So priorities determine strategy, stuff like that. Most people aren't ready for that. They just want more. If, if, if people are still like more will solve all my problems, um, not, not ready for, for my world. Um, but if you're, when you come into my world, you should expect closer, closer to the things that actually matter to you. So there's a gut check. What actually matters to you? What are we actually prioritizing for? Sometimes we say, what really matters to you? And they say, well, I just really want uh, to spend more time with my family. So, okay, well, then you got to do this. I'm like, yeah, but I want to have a million Instagram followers. It's like, all right, well, gut check, maybe, and no judgment. You don't want to spend more time with your family. It's fine. It's your business. It's your life. Uh, but there's a lot of gut checking. There's a lot of your behaviors are not lining up with what you say, you know, your spouse values, what, what you say your intentions are. So there's, there's a lot of that, a lot of gut checking and then a lot of it depends. Um, so the question's not how do I have bigger, how do I have more, you know, how, whatever. It's I want to pay my mortgage, I want to spend 10 hours a week more with my kids and I never want to miss one of my kids' baseball games, right? So we're optimizing for closer to those things. Every, everything we do has to get closer to the things that actually matter. And that's what you get with Dan Nicholson, uh, Jeff Spencer, like my partners, same way. So that's our world. And it's not a popular one because uh, most people, it's a gut check for you and your audience here. Most people will never actually define that. Hey, what, what really matters to you? Because when you define success, you have effectively also defined failure. So if success to you is I never want to miss another one of my kids' soccer games and you miss your kids' soccer games, you're a failure. You can't hide behind the money. You can't hide behind the fame. You can't hide behind. And so 
you come into my world, you better be ready to, to have a real conversation and define what success actually is, or I, won't, I, I just can't help you. So that's and masterminds because that's the, the topic of the show. Uh, I have 42 people in my mastermind, and it is phenomenal because those are 42 people that have the same, like they're all in the same place. They're all optimizing for what actually matters to them. And it's just a really cool environment to be in when people are, are living and, and acting from that space. Wow. And let's kind of go into that success part as I was, I was talking to a coach of mine recently and we, you know, we, we sat there and we said, what does it take to create success? And through a few things that we threw out, there was mentorship, willingness to fail, experimentation, partnership. And the one thing that I really stopped on is someone's willingness to succeed you know, with the sensitivity of social media, with, you know, everything that's going on out there, why do you think we have such an aversion to being successful and knowing how to get there? That's a good question. There's a lot of, some of the, some of the, the uh, people that we work with that are just outrageously gifted have, for, for them, I'm speaking for them, I'm not speaking for just the people in my experience. There's a lot of self-worth stuff. There's a lot of, um, sometimes there's some survivorship bias. There's a lot of self-worth stuff. Like we want to be successful. We say we want millions and millions of dollars and all this impact. Uh, and when the opportunity comes, we sabotage ourselves. There's like a guilt, there's a shame, and there's just, there's something about for for these people in particular, they're they're typically really gifted, really sensitive, and um, there's a lot of guilt. There's a lot of guilt. There's a lot of self worth. There's first time they see a million dollars, it's like the police are going to come and take it away because I don't deserve this. Like these are real conversations. So guilt, shame, all kinds of stuff we probably grow up with. I guess, yeah, I never, I mean, like, it's, it's interesting how everyone's inner, how their psyche and how we've dealt with it, whether our past doesn't have to define our future, but it can keep us, it can hold us back from really, you know, what, what we want to do moving forward. So, you know, people at all different times have a way of surprising us due to their willingness to learn. Um, the rooms that you put together, they're hand selected. And maybe from time to time, someone slips in there, but I'm pretty certain they probably have a pretty quick exit door policy from that if they do slip in. Has anyone been able, you know, that's been to your event, surprised you or your mastermind and what you do? Has anyone surprised you and what they've been able to accomplish? Um, and what was the outcome because they were in a room with you? I will, I'll say they were probably surprising. I don't know that they surprised me because I have the gift and the curse that I think a lot of people have in that when somebody has like a, a certain kind of greatness in them, you just see it and you know it's there. Uh, so I won't say I've been surprised, but there have been people that I've met at other masterminds that were shamed, you know, you don't work hard enough, you must hate money. Like they're just shamed because they don't want to do things however somebody else will to do it. And so then when we get them in into our world and we get their, you know, their their strategy aligned with their unique disposition and get clear on what really matters, uh, we have like I'll name drop uh, Tasha Tasha Blasi, because people 
probably aren't familiar with her yet. She's a fertility coach, 100% success rate after IVF fails. So it's like a big, it's a big thing, right? And again, was playing really small for, for a million, for a million reasons. Uh, moved to California just recently. Um, but before she lived here, she visited because uh, Netflix, well, MGM bought the rights to a documentary about her. And then Netflix bought the rights from MGM. So she came here to meet the people at Netflix. So it's really just people, when they get their strategy lined with their unique disposition and they have a gift like that, they just take off. A few, few of my favorites and the ones that, the ones that maybe surprised me a little bit more are the ones that come in young and gifted, like 23 years old, doing a million dollars already, like world-class copywriter or whatever. Uh, and the surprise is when they learn from the, the experience around them and they don't have to blow themselves up. Because when you, when you make millions of dollars when you're 23 years old, there's like a 99% chance you're going to blow yourself up because you just don't know better. Uh, so that that's probably my favorite to see is when people come in, you're like, oh, you're gifted, you're, you're intelligent, but you're like 22 and you're going to crash and burn hard before you learn the lessons you need to learn. Um, and they come in, I, I let, I let, I have about three or four of them. Um, and they learn from the collective experience and they don't have to touch the stove. You know, they, they soak it in. They say, hey, you know, I'm going to absorb this wisdom. I'm just going to trust that I shouldn't, you know, do that dumb stuff. And uh, the third trajectory is amazing. Yeah, those are the, the willingness at that age to learn and listen as opposed to say, no, I got this. Um, I mean, the perfect example, if you look at a majority of sports players, I don't know what the percentage is off the top of my head, but that, that are bankrupt before they even get out of the NFL, the NBA, whatever that is. And it's because, you know, they didn't have that mentorship in that room. And that's what you're providing. You're providing that room where they're like, listen, if you can learn from our experiences, like you just said, you don't have to touch the hot stove. All right. As, as we're getting closer to the end here, um, there's always new ideas brewing especially in times of prosperity. But I think innovation and ingenuity really comes when, when people start feeling the squeeze. What are you working on now that's going to take place over the next 12 months that really excites you? Uh, it's all platform. So it's all platform. I have, uh, we have a few softwares. We have a few apps, stuff like that. Um, what I like to do is, it's why I have the partners that I have, is there's these brilliant people and um, unfortunately there's only one of them and it's really difficult to scale the impact. And so it's codifying these things into mobile apps and, and programs and, and stuff like that. So, uh, the thing I'm probably most excited about is it's a, it's a platform and for whatever reason, there's, there's a reputation that I have that is like amongst the, the Jay Abrahams of the world and, and those guys, uh, Steve Sims, et cetera, is like, okay, we need something, just go to Nick. Like, we know he's vetted everybody. We know that he's not going to BS us or whatever, right? Um, how do I make that more accessible? Like, how can I do what I do on that very small scale for everybody? And so we're building an application. It's called the, the Mastery Mode app, where it's essentially that. We were just put the best in the world, like legitimately best in the world at what they do. Uh, the trade-off is I help them codify their intellectual property and, and make it mass market stuff. 
and they contribute to um, to our app and, and our platform. So it's it's like Jeff Spencer is a great example. Like, who really is the best in the world? Uh, I just want to build the place where you go to find the best in the world. Uh, two main reasons. The first is um, the the true technicians are getting out marketed because they're technicians. They're not marketers. And that's not good for the world when the best, the like the actual best experts and technicians on the planet uh, can't, you know, they just can't get any kind of attention because marketers are just better marketers. So that's the main, the main reason is uh, to keep eyeballs on the people that, that have the good information. And then second, um, for me, the reason it's exciting is I get to just continue to be a student. These people come on as I codify naturally, as I codify all this information, I have to learn it. So that's the biggest motivation for me is, is basically monetizing, um, monetizing my, my own learning experience and then um, putting it out there to the world in a way that is ultra accessible and affordable. How long have you been working on this or where did the idea really spur from? It's been an idea for a while. Ultimately, just over the last like six months, the number of people that, that have um, shown up on my, my text messages is just like, like people that I never thought I would ever be in the same like conversation with saying, hey, can you help me? Hey, can you help me? Hey, can you help me? And yeah, of course, like here, here's what I, you know, we just have conversations with them and, and work through some stuff. But then the stress I have is I cannot turn around because I haven't built this platform. I can't turn around and say, hey, this is the best in the world and keep them, you know, and, and create a flood of business for them. And eventually it was just that, that stress was, was so much like I got to build this platform. We just, we have to do this. Um, so it was about six months ago we started putting it together. Uh, we first launched it three months ago, about two and a half months ago, just to my private clients. So, and then we just started hosting our uh, all of our programs on there. So when you come in, you become a user. It's like Facebook. It has everything Facebook has, um, everything Zoom has, everything ClickFunnels. It's, it's like all of that into one. Um, so we're slowly building it out, but it, it, it's been probably two years we've been pulling the pieces together about six months we've actually been um building it nice all right what is something that you've learned in the last six months uh a tip a trick and i'm not a huge fan of tip and trick but like what have you learned that a listener out there right now uh, could implement in the next 30 days that would would be beneficial and make an impact on what they're doing going forward I did. Uh, I had a conversation with Chris Voss. Are you familiar with Chris Voss? The name sounds familiar. Uh, World class negotiator. He wrote "Never Split the Difference." Mm-hmm. There you go. Yeah, that's why I've heard of it. Yeah, yeah. He's the Black Swan Group. He's just the greatest. Um, but he just came into my world probably three months ago, and here's the most. It's it's. Probably not what people expect, so that's okay. I'm a, I'm a walking pattern interrupt. Um, empathy. There's this level of 
when you're negotiating, when you're marketing, when you're selling, when you're just having conversations, he said, I'll give you two. The first is, you know, like hugs are good. Hugs are good, right? There's all kinds of scientific proof that they're beneficial for development and all that crap. Hugs are good. But if you go to hug a kid that has been battered and abused, what's he going to do? He's going to duck and run, right? You didn't batter him. You didn't abuse him. Still going to duck. And so I started approaching all my conversations that way. Like my intentions don't matter because I have no idea what kind of baggage you're carrying. And just approaching every conversation that way, like really trying to understand, empathize with like, you know, no, I didn't batter you and abuse you. But the response you have to my, my words, my actions, whatever, it's, it's some amalgamation of experience from before. So I started approaching everything that way, like that phrase sticks in my head. The other thing, again, in conversations is every conversation I have now, I try to get, which is like counterintuitive to like a lot of sales training and stuff. I try to get you to tell me no. So instead of like, hey, you have a moment to talk, I say, hey, would it bother you if I asked you for a few moments of your time? And this is for like uh, partnerships and, and masterminds and like things where relational capital is, is really powerful. Okay, hey, can I, can I, can I, would it be too much to ask you for a moment of your time? And you say, no, not at all. I've just given you permission to say no. And the trust between us has grown exponentially. You don't feel a pressure to say, you know, uh, all conversations that there's, there's a little bit of tension, or a little bit of negotiating, or a little bit of feeling each other out. Um, we feel a pressure to please and a pressure to say yes. So every conversation I have now, I try to ask a question, have them respond with a no, and be totally cool with it. Now they know it's totally cool to tell me no, which means we can just have a conversation. So those are the two things that have been the most helpful for me. It's making it more personal, you know, by, by being able to ask that question, you know, can I have a conversation? So, man, I, I have to say, I've learned a lot today. I'm looking forward to re-listening to what we just talked about to, to really digest that and uh, appreciate your time, uh, the knowledge that you brought and the honesty, really the honesty about where the industry's at and where you're going and what people should expect. So Nick, Thank you so much for your time. And, uh, you know, if, if again, reach out to Nick, he gave it to you at the beginning of the show. We'll have it in the show notes. So everyone, Nick Peterson. Thank you for listening to the mastermind effect, your secret weapon for personal development. If you enjoyed the show, please take a moment to share with a friend and leave a five-star review on iTunes. And don't forget to subscribe through your favorite podcast host. So you won't miss a single episode. You're one step closer to experiencing the mastermind effect.